you know, as we, as we think about the kingdom of God and we think about what God is up to in our city and with our congregation of believers, he has other people in Dallas, but what he's up to here with this group, I get so excited. And one of the things that's different about the kingdom of God, one of the things that's unexpected, that's surprising, that's beautiful about the kingdom of God, I think is summed up in Acts chapter 2. Peter is giving this, this, this first sermon ever after the resurrection of Jesus, a powerful sermon. 3,000 people respond and are baptized on that day and all this. But part of his sermon, Peter goes back to the Old Testament to a prophecy from the book of Joel, and it's Joel 2.28. Peter shares with them that in the last days, in other words, when the kingdom of God comes on earth and, and it's beginning, it's initiating through the church at this point, um, he says, old men will dream dreams. Young men will have visions. And, and that is so different from the way the world normally works, from the operating system of the world. Normally, when you get old, you dream of finding a comfortable chair, right? Um, you, you, know, you dream of surviving another year or maybe seeing your grandkids come. But in the kingdom of God, when you get old, you're not done dreaming for God yet. I mean, God, who knows? I, this is one of the things I get excited about with this dream power thing. Um, young men dreaming dreams, young people, wh who knows where the, the amazing dream is going to come from that's going to change the trajectory of this church, that's going to bless this church and this community. Maybe it's going to come from a nine-year-old kid. You know, maybe it's going to come from a 90-year-old woman. We don't know. But we believe that God, the Spirit of God, is at work in His people, and He is helping us to dream dreams and to have visions of what God has for us. Um, let me tell you, I don't know if you ever had a nickname. Hopefully, if you did, it was a good one, you know, because there are some not-so-good nicknames. But I, I never had a cool nickname. I was always either Gordo or Gordy. Please, don't, you don't have to use those. I'm just saying that's what people used. Um, yeah, it's too late now. Can't, I can't reel that back in, can I? But, but I, I can tell you about Joseph, and you've heard a lot of stories about Joseph. Well, Joseph from the Old Testament, the character of Joseph had a nickname, and it wasn't Joe. It was the dreamer, right? Um, this is on your outline this morning if you, if you want to note this. He had a nickname, Joseph the Dreamer. Now, we know about Joseph, right? Um, you have probably heard stories about Joseph. You may not even know they were about Joseph, but if you ever heard the story of the coat of many colors, a beautiful, ornate, expensive coat that, that Joseph's father expressed to him in a gift of this, of this coat, um, that was Joseph. He was the favorite son there in the household. Um, if you've heard a story about a Hebrew that was sold into slavery. His brothers hated him. They threw him in the bottom of a well, and then when they saw a caravan passing by, they pulled him up and they sold him as a slave, put him on eBay, you know. Um, if you heard that story, that's Joseph. A story about Joseph now in Egypt, a, a foreigner in a foreign land. He is hired to work as a servant in the house of Potiphar, a high-ranking Egyptian official. Then he is falsely accused of, uh, by, by, by Potiphar's wife of attempted rape. He is put in prison, and he spends a long time in a dark prison. That's the story of Joseph. 
Joseph, who dreamed dreams from God. Joseph, who was empowered by the Holy Spirit to interpret the dreams of others. Joseph, who finally rose to be second in command in all of Egypt. That's the story of Joseph. Well, his nickname was the Dreamer. We'll pick the story up in Genesis chapter 37. Chapter 37, verse 8 says this. He shares his dreams. His brothers responded, So you think you're going to be our king, do you? You actually think you're going to reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Now, I'm going to tell you about the dreams here in just a second. What I want you to write down, though, is this. When it comes to dreaming as a body of believers, we will respect the dreams of others even when we don't share those dreams. In the story of Joseph, he had these God-given dreams. One of them went like this. He, remember this, he had 11 brothers, okay? It's important. One of the dreams went like this. He and his brothers were working out in the wheat fields. They would chop down the wheat they would gather it up in bundles or sheaves. In his dream, he and each of his brothers had a big sheaf or sheaf or sheave, whatever, a big bundle of wheat, right? And you remember how this went, perhaps? The sheaves of wheat of his 11 brothers all bowed down before his. Then he had this other dream. In this dream, He was perhaps looking at the night sky in his dream. There was the moon. Well, there was the sun, so I don't know if it was night or day. It was a dream. doesn't matter, right? There was the moon. There was the sun. There were exactly 11 stars in the sky. Remember, he had 11 brothers. And in this dream, all of those celestial bodies bowed down before him, all right? Now, you may be thinking what I'm thinking or what I've thought often when I read this story is, Awesome dream. Love the dream. Perhaps not the best dream to share with your older brothers, right? Hey, I had this dream. You guys are all going to be bowing down to me. What a great dream, huh? But he did share that. And interestingly, we'll get, we'll get to this in, in a little bit of why probably he needed to share the dream with his brothers. We'll get there in a little bit, um, because I've often wondered, maybe that wasn't the wisest thing to do. But when we hear other people's dreams, they may not be our dreams, but they still may be God's dreams. And so we need to hear out our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to prayerfully seek God's will for this church together. But I may not have the same dreams you have. Some people at this church have a burden for foreign mission work. You know, sharing the gospel on the other side of the world. That's your dream. And and so you're going to have some specific dreams about that. Some of you guys are, are burdened by children. You care about children. You care about children who don't have enough to eat. You, do, you care about children who don't get proper schooling. You care about children who, who, who aren't being parented well. You care about children who are poor. You, you care about kids. Or you care about teaching kids. You love to teach kids. You love to see kids learn and grow and, and rejoice in, 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 in the way of the Lord. You love that. Some of you guys care about, you have a burden for this community. You know, God has put us in the fourth largest city in the United States. God has given us, I'll tell you what, he's given us a mission field right here. 
And some of you guys are stirred by that and you have all sorts of ideas and dreams about what the, the body of Jesus could do here in the Metroplex. And that's what you're dreaming about. Um, I just believe that God has wired us differently. We're, we're unique. Um, we all are formed in the image of God. We're all having the image of Jesus grow up inside of us, but we have unique personalities. We have unique backgrounds, and we have unique burdens, um, unique um, ministry passions. So that's what Dreamer Power is about. It's about sharing those diverse ideas and letting God um, turn us into the church he wants to turn us in. But part of that is, not, is to respect the dreams of others. The second thing I have on your outline is this this morning. Um, the second point, as a church of dreamers, we will be open above all else to the inspiration and direction of God, right? Um, that means we believe that it's not all dependent upon our intelligence. It's not our all depending on our creativity, on our ability to imagine, on our ability to strategize. We believe that the Spirit of God is at work in the people of God, right? God inspired Joseph. God is not done inspiring people, right? There is a lot of ministry to be done in the Metroplex and beyond. God is not done inspiring us, so we believe that God is still inspiring. And so we seek to be in tune with the heart of God revealed in Scripture, right? We seek to be in tune with the heart of God that we see at work moving in our world, and so we look to God to be the center of our dreams as a congregation. Um, this is one of the things you see throughout the life of Joseph. Um, God is always in the middle. God is always in front, behind, and all around Joseph, no matter where he is. At one point, um, Joseph, as I said, he is falsely accused uh, of of rape of assault on on Potiphar's wife right and he is put in prison he spends a good deal of time there but even in that dark place even in the middle of that of that season of pain and injustice it's clear that he is connected to God listen to this in in chapter 39 of Genesis verses 20 to 23 and so he Potiphar took Joseph threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. In other words, didn't get, didn't get out on bail, right? But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. Okay, I got to stop right here. This is, this, is, this is good stuff. The Lord was with Joseph where? Where? In the prison, right? And I just have to, I have to stop here because... A lot of times we feel like if I am, maybe you're literally in prison, right? And you're watching on streaming this morning or something. Or maybe you're in another kind of prison, a prison of grief. You have lost someone you care very much about. Or there's, there's, there's a loved one who has a terminal disease. Or, or you're in financial distress. Or you just lost your job. You understand what I'm saying? There are a lot of different prisons out of there. A lot of different painful places we find ourselves in. The message here is that when Joseph was in prison, God was with him. God had not abandoned him. Right? 
Don't interpret your pain, don't interpret your loss as as meaning God has abandoned you. Because certainly in the life of Joseph, God was very much with this man. And his plans were being revealed in the life of this man, even when he was in a dark dungeon in Egypt. So, verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all of the other prisoners and everything that happened in the prison. So he becomes the COO, chief operating officer there in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Why is all of this happening Because the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. God needed for his light and his love to be present in that place. God needed for Joseph to minister in that place. And Joseph was used powerfully there. Um, But also we know from this story of, of the distress that Joseph suffered here. And when he was sold into slavery, um, I mean, it was one event, traumatic event after another in the life of Joseph. And so we know from Joseph's story, the next thing on your outline this morning, that if we're going to be dreamers for God, we need to expect that we will encounter obstacles. In other words, we, we shouldn't be shocked and surprised that there is criticism or there is difficulty or there is challenge when we be- begin to pursue our God-given dreams, all right? Um, we expect those things. You think the disciples in the first century um, had it easy when they were following the dream on God's heart for the church to spread around the world? No, things were very difficult. But it was God's dream, and God was with them. So they were ready for the obstacles that they faced. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, is is a remarkable moment. This would be, if this were a a Hollywood film, this would be be the, the, the apex of the story, right? What we have here is Joseph, his brothers have sold him into slavery, So they haven't seen him in a long time. Decades have gone by. Joseph has has been sold into slavery, has spent time in prison. He has, after he has interpreted Pharaoh's dreams about a coming famine, he has been promoted, released from prison, promoted to VP of Egypt, second in command in all of Egypt. He has been put in charge of planning for this famine that God has showed him will occur, so they are storing massive quantities of grain. Well, guess what's happening elsewhere? His brothers, his parents, his family, they are beginning to starve. There's a drought. They can't grow enough crops to feed their uh, their flocks and to even feed themselves. And so the brothers come to Egypt for help. They end up having an audience with Joseph, their brother. Now, important that you know this. They don't know it's their brother, right? He is now speaking a foreign language. He is now wearing the, the garments of an Egyptian He now perhaps even has the makeup of an Egyptian uh, royal figure. 
They don't recognize him at all. And so here they are on their knees begging this foreigner, this high-ranking Egyptian, help us, our family's going to starve to death unless you help us. We hear that there's food in Egypt. And then the penny drops. Then their eyes are opened. Of course, I'm abridging the story a little bit here, but they come to realize wait a second, (laughs) you're our brother. And then they think, well, you can imagine what they think. We're toast, you know. It's over. We betrayed him, and now it's his chance to get vengeance. But that's not the way it works out, is it? Genesis 20, verse 20. Joseph tells his brothers, you tried to harm me. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. But God made it turn out for the best so he could save all of these people as he is now doing. And so we expect obstacles to come. We're not surprised by them because the next thing on your outline is this. Because we choose to believe that our dreams will bring the blessing of God into the lives of many. As a Christ-shaped community, as a, cross, as a cross-centered family, we're not here to dream about more comfortable pews, right? We're not here to dream about having newer church vans. That's, I mean, those things, hey, they might be things that need to happen at some point, okay? But that's not what we dream about. Our dreams come from the heart of God. Our dreams are about blessing the lives of many. And so we believe that as we as a family dream together, as we pray together, as we fast together, as we begin to envision God's future for us, we believe that the city of Dallas will be blessed because of this congregation, right? One of our elders told me the other day, he said, I want Preston Crest to be the kind of church where if we just disappeared one day, the city would feel it. The city would feel it. We want to be vital. We want to be, we want to be a blessing to children and families in need and want in this community. People who are seeking God in this community. People who feel disenfranchised. People who feel marginalized. We want to be a family for those people. And so we believe, not because we're, we're great and we're talented, we believe that God is at work in us. And his plans are to turn this family into a blessing for many. Genesis chapter 45, verse 7. Joseph explains it this way to his brothers. God has sent me ahead of you. Why? To keep you and your families alive. And to preserve many survivors. Joseph says, and this this is not an easy thing to say. Joseph says, everything that I went through, all of the pain I experienced, serving as a slave, being a prisoner, this was all part of God's plan. Part of his plan to save you and to save others. 
he saw his mission in life as, as, as that of being a blessing in the world. Now, back to that question I asked earlier. For so long, I was like, boy, I, I love that Joseph had these dreams, but really, did you have to tell your brothers? I mean, I can see how that didn't go well. But then think about this with me for a second. What if Joseph had said, you know, I got this dream that the sheaves are all going to bow down before me, that the 11 stars are going to bow down before me. I had this dream. I believe it's from God. I also think it's probably better not to tell my brothers. If he had thought that way, then guess what would have happened? When this moment occurs at the end of the story and he is able to save his family from starvation, guess how his brothers would have thought about things? They would have thought, wow, you are the luckiest guy around. Man, you're lucky. You got to go buy a lotto ticket, man. I mean, we sold you to slavery and you ended up spending time in prison. And now look at you. Wow, how things managed to turn out. Or they could have thought, man, Joseph, you are one talented cat. I mean, man, you are smart. You've got political skills. You were able to take this terrible, miserable situation, and you were able to win friends and influence people there with the warden and the other prisoners, and then eventually in the court of Pharaoh. You've got skills, brother. But because Joseph told them from the beginning this is what God is going to do. God got the glory. And I'm not going to pretend this morning to know exactly what God has planned for us over the next three years or five years or seven years. I don't know exactly what God has planned for us. I believe in faith that God is going to prosper our work together. I believe that God is going to bless our city because of this congregation. I believe great things are going to happen. And that's why it's so important today to lower our hearts in the presence of God. Lest anyone someday say, wow, what a talented group of people at Preston Crest or it was because of this, or it was because of their money, or it was because of their connections or whatever. If we start out right now and we lower our hearts before God and we lower our spirits before God and say, if anything good happens, it's because of you, Lord. And we continue to say that and proclaim that no matter what happens, God gets the glory because we're not going to claim it for ourselves. It's not ours to claim. You know, whatever talents we may have, whatever opportunities we may have, whatever relationships we may have in the business community or the city government or whatever, we only have those because God has given those to us. The glory all goes to God.